Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wanted to mention is um, we have had a focus around the baby fold and the children living there for some time. And Lori Mil- Biltmeyer was here a few months ago, and she shared that the best way that we can be helping them is through gift cards, and they really like Kohl's and Target because Lori can go in there and let's say she needs coat or tennis shoes for a child. They get to go in and pick something out, and Target and Kohl's will kind of multiply that and usually give her two coats or two tennis shoes. So the money goes a little further in those places. Lori's going to be here in three weeks preaching again, so we'd love to do just a gift card shower for the baby fold, and there's a couple ways that you can you can participate in that. Up front, we've got our Change for Children box right on the, the green table right there. If you want to put a donation in there, and if you'd like it to be tax deductible, just make a check. Um, and in the memo line, just write Baby Fold. And we'll go out and buy those gift cards, or you can buy Kohl's and Target gift cards yourself. So for the next two weeks, um, we'll be doing that. And any money that gets put in there the next two weeks, we'll go out and buy the gift cards. But that third week, you can also bring gift cards. We just won't have chance after the third week to get more gift cards. That'll be the week Lori's here. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? So that's just a great way to bless those kids. You can make the check to Friends and Family Church, yeah, and then just note that it's for the baby fold. And these are kids ages 6 to 13, I believe, that have been taken away from their homes, and they live in the baby fold, and they literally (laughs) come there with nothing. So for them to get a coat or tennis shoes or something of their own is just a really big deal, and it's just a great way to bless them. So thank you. Thanks, Megan. Good morning, everybody. Happy July. Where did June go? It's gone. Went quickly, didn't it? But as we start going into a new month here, our focus is going to be around fellowship, one of the purposes of the church. And, of course, fellowship is all about our relationship with one another. And so this series, these next three weeks before Lori comes to share with us the last week of the month, are going to be around the one another's because scripture talks about how we should treat one another a lot. In fact, 56 times in scripture, one another is referenced. And it's most always guidance on our relationships, our relationships horizontally to each other, but of course all based on our individual relationship with the God of the universe. And so how we end up treating one another is part and parcel of the relationship that we have with God. And when it's good, it's focused on how he treats us, right? So how God chooses to treat us, we can take in and choose to treat one another. And that's how it should be, right? Is that always how it is, though? Is that always how it is, though? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, honest people out there. It's hard, right? Relationships are hard. And yet they're the best part of what we have together. And so today we're going to talk about the one another out of Scripture that calls us to be in harmony with one another. So the Apostle Paul actually has many of these, the majority of these one another's in Scriptures, all of his letters to the early churches. 
And a number of them are in his letter to the church in Rome, where he's challenging the folks there about their relationship with God and then their relationship with one another. Now, you know Paul's background, if you've been through the Bible much at all, but Paul was a persecutor of Christ followers early in his young adult life until he had a radical personal encounter with Jesus, and that changed him. That's what changes hearts, is that personal encounter with Jesus. But see, Paul is not a likely person to be giving lessons on how to live in harmony because he was someone who provoked just the opposite. And even his natural bent following becoming a Christ follower, he was a leader, he was a confronter of evil, he was a mover, he was a shaker. And when you think about those kind of people, do you think of harmony? Maybe not. But see, I think we got to get into this definition of what harmony really means. Because it isn't simply go with the flow in whatever's happening. Because when we just get in a boat on a river with a current and go with the flow, it can take us down many bad places, can't it? So this idea of harmony isn't about just anything goes. It's about like-mindedness. It's about a harmony of heart and of mind around who Jesus is and his character that can be expressed through us to others. Well, I want us to look um, today out of Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 begins with the whole idea of presenting your life as a living sacrifice to God. So this is in all in context of that. So we could just start with that verse, present your life as a living sacrifice to God. And if we could all live that out, harmony wouldn't be an issue, would it? Present your life as a living sacrifice. That's the premise of what it means to follow Christ, a sacrifice for what he has done for us. But as Paul continues on in, in that section of his letter to the Romans, we're, we're under a heading that tells us we're talking about what it really means to have love in action. And he says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, the, the point of harmony in that passage is that harmony equals an absence of conceit. Would you agree with that? To live in harmony, we can't be full of pride. Now, nobody wants to admit to being conceited. You don't go around and go, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm conceited. But we all know people who are, don't we? Yeah, and we have to point those fingers back at ourselves sometimes, whether we want to or not. 
and it was interesting as I, I was trying to take this word apart a little bit. And so I looked up the Greek word for conceit just to see what the meaning really was there, if it was just purely pride. And the word and the root of it there, the way Paul is using it, talks about a way of seeing things from the inside out, meaning that our way of seeing things, when we are conceited, our way of seeing things is the right way, the only right way. Doesn't that pretty much define conceit? And it's visceral, meaning you feel it, and sometimes even your whole body reacts to it. You know when you're right, don't you? Because it can kind of well up in you. You know it, and you feel it. It's the only way to see the situation. It's the only way. It's a good sign that we're in that mode of self. But the call is to be of one mind, collectively, as Christ followers, which requires humility and guidance by the Holy Spirit and through the truth of God revealed in his word. Conceit is often best demonstrated through comparison, isn't it? We, we have this humanness that wants to be better than, and not necessarily even better than everyone, but at least I'm better than name your person, because it makes us feel better somehow. At least I'm not as bad as, and we usually use that to explain away or excuse bad behavior. But there is this, and those of you that have been listening to me for a while have heard this before, but if we think about that in terms of a continuum, first of all, comparison is really always a recipe for disaster. But if you think about it, and you think of the worst human being that's ever lived on the face of the earth, whether you call it Adolf Hitler or whomever you want to call him, far over here, and you think about Jesus who walked the earth as the perfect son of God here, where are we? Well, you can make yourself feeling better by saying you're, you're not nearly as bad as, say, Hitler, but we're all down here together as humans, aren't we? There's really an indistinguishable difference. And the Bible would tell us that sin is sin. And we all fall short. And that doesn't make us wretched, awful, worthless. It makes us all created in God's image with the choice of choosing to yield ourselves to the one who is perfect. But it's not a better or a worse game. And that whole idea of harmony often comes with Comparison, letting go of comparison to create harmony because it's letting people be who they are and yet calling for like-mindedness in Christ. It's a challenge. That's what makes relationships difficult, but it also makes them so worthy of pursuing. So to be in harmony with one another, the goal is that we're rowing together, like this picture shows up here. Have you ever tried rowing? So have you ever done even canoeing kinds of things? Well, well let me out my family on, on our first canoeing experience. So we went to a church camp of all great places to show a lack of harmony, right? And we get out into this canoe, and we're in a canoe race, and it's our family against other families. And the interesting thing is we got ready to take off, and, and poor William was little at the time, so we didn't even let him row. He had just had to sit in the, uh, in the boat. 
And so Benjamin and, and Brad and I were all three rowing, and by golly, we were all three in charge. Where do you think we went? <laughs> yeah, and almost over, because we were supposed to go out and around in a horseshoe, and we ended up basically yelling at each other, trying to tell each other what to do. Poor William got hit in the head with an oar, and we're all just flailing about. And, you know, we've laughed about that since, but that day we weren't laughing. Now, none of us was trying to mess it up, but none of us was willing to yield, to row together. Because if we could get off to a good start, and if we just, if you just listen to me, if you just, if you just, it's visceral. I, we all knew we were right, and we all felt that we were right, and we were all feeling the time pressure. And as silly as it sounds, this plays itself out in our lives over and over and over again, doesn't it? And you see it. You may see it in yourself, but it's certainly easy to see in others, like most things. Rowing together down Harmony River ought to be what we strive for. But how? Well, there should be a point to what we do. There should be a cause that allows us to work together, to be in harmony with one another and to actually go down this river together. There are a few points that we, we need to consider. And the first is that we have to recognize that life is full of rapids and rocks. So we want a smooth sailing, rowing together experience where somebody's calling out the strokes and we're just all doing it perfectly. And that's not going to happen because life throws rapids and rocks at us. And where there are relational rockinesses, where there are places that it's not smooth, we have to ask ourselves, when we're hitting a patch, when we're hitting the rapids, we have to ask ourselves, where in all of this do I just want my way? Where am I helping to create the rapids? Because I guarantee you, if it asked any of the three of us that day on that very placid lake trying to canoe, it was somebody else's fault. And throwing that blame out there is really easy to do. The problem is it just never accomplishes anything. And the first question when you're viscerally feeling that you're right is not, where is it that I just want my way right now? But it should be a reflection on our own contribution to the problem, even if somebody else is disrupting the environment, is always the place to start. And in prayer, going to God and saying, is there pride that needs to be stripped from me here, God? And it won't come out easily when you're in those situations, does it? Nope. Because when you're feeling right, the last thing you want to be is humble. And yet the quickest place to relational harmony is through humility. What is it that I'm contributing to the issue here? Within that same idea of recognizing the, the rapids and the rocks, can we actually agree on where we're going? It sounds so simple. And yet, if you're going to be rowing together, you need to know where you're going. And Paul talks about this in terms of, as so far as it depends on you, live at peace. But can we agree on where we're going? Because if you don't know, it will be difficult to be in harmony. And from God's perspective, when we hit these places of the rapids, it's about going through. It's not about turning around. It's not about throwing somebody out of the boat. It's not about, it's not about being right. It's about going through. 
So where are we going? We're going to a destination together. And that's the point. If we can keep the point the point, the relational trip becomes easier, even if it's through the rapids. And then can we agree that there is a point to this whole getting through process? Because sometimes we hit the rapids and we do want to bail. We want to bail on the situation. We want to bail on the person. We want to bail on whatever is going on when we hit the rough patch. And I do have to say that life itself is not intended to be a continual relational whitewater rafting ride. And if it is, we individually are somehow contributing to it. Life does hit those points, but when you are in the midst of a constant whitewater rapid ride, it's a time for looking inside and seeing how you are contributing to that. And that's painful. That's tough truth. But life is not intended to be this continual roller coaster. Now, have you ever had that roller coaster ride relationally where it was just constant up and down? Going along with that crazy-making, drama-filled, rapid, rapids and rocks relational flow is not harmony. We do have to go through it sometime, but we're going through it for a purpose, for a point, to get through to the other side. And while we can't control all of our circumstances, relationally, we ought to be striving for that harmony. So we have to recognize the rocks and the rapids for what they are, and I think we also, second point is reflect. We have to be able to see the reflection of God in all people, including that person that you struggle with, who's also created in God's image. It's not your job to change them. And harmony does acknowledge that love is what changes hearts. It's the gospel message. It's the fact that Jesus came as a servant to sacrifice, to love. He came with grace for all, and he came with truth. He never backed away from truth for a minute, and that's the tough love piece. But he also never condemned us. So he calls us to his perfect standard, but he doesn't beat us up when we're not there. He just calls us to do better because his grace, the sacrifice of his own life, covers all of it. So how do we live that out in seeing God's image in others? It's about honoring what's honorable and not anyone human speaking is completely honorable in their character, but there are honorable pieces in every human that you encounter. And it, it's so clear to me when Paul is talking about this and he says, don't be conceited, and then he says, don't consider yourself above those who are in low positions. And he was dealing with a, a very classist society, and he's writing to Rome, and there were very clear distinctions between who was in charge and who was considered the, the in crowd and the out crowd and who you associated with and who you didn't. And not seeing differences as much as we would love to claim that we don't. It can be difficult sometimes. But our call is to honor what's honorable in every human life. 
and to appreciate what can be appreciated in every life. And that goes for ourselves sometimes, too. Can you see God reflected in you? Because he is. He absolutely is. You were created in the image of the living God. And what our role in all of this is, is to feed that. Not in a conceited way, but in the purest way possible to say, God, your image is inside me. You created me. And I want to reflect more and more of you. So we feed that. We feed what reflects him. And we grow in his character. And an interesting thing happens in terms of harmony. It gets a little bit easier as we continue to try to live out his image, not in a perfect way, but in a way that says, God, I just want my life to honor you. And in doing that, I can honor others. So we recognize the rocks and the rapids, and we reflect on God's character in all of us. And then we row together. We just simply get in the boat and row toward what matters. So what matters? We can get all tripped up about that, right? We all have different priorities, different things we'd love to do relationally, whatever. But what really matters at the end of the day is why you're here, and that's to glorify God. And to know what the God-honoring direction for our lives are. For our lives, for our relationships, for our families, for our friends, for our church. And then we call others to come. It's not as much going to a pinpoint location as it is directional. You know, every boat when it's in a lake creates a wake, doesn't it? Now ours, when it was spinning around, I think it was creating like a whirlpool or a cesspool or something, I don't know. But when a boat is moving, it's creating a wake. And we are all in the wake of those that we follow. And we're all leaving a wake for others to choose to follow or not. And directionally, are we leaving a wake that is leading people towards Jesus? And if we are, we call others to come, to come along, knowing that we'll hit points of rapids and rocks, knowing that it won't be perfect, but we know where we're headed directionally, and we can know that. That's not conceited. That's simply saying, I'm going to live my life to follow Jesus. Come along. But the thing about people, every one of us, is that we get a choice, don't we? And so what happens when you call someone to come directionally toward what you believe, what you, in fact, may know is toward Christ, and they say, forget it. I want to go this way. You just continue to call. Living in harmony doesn't mean necessarily going with every flow or being caught up in the wake of someone moving away from that direction, but it doesn't mean not caring either. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a fabulous, well, he wrote an amazing number of fabulous works, but one of them that I love, 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 love deeply is called The Great Divorce, and it's not about divorce in human terms. It's about the split between heaven and hell, and it is, there's a there's a, many beautiful images in there, but one that always speaks to me is, is a woman who is on heaven's side, who, who is a Christ follower, whose life is moving in the direction of God. 
and she's very much concerned about this person who becomes an inanimate object, almost like a dragon. And it, the point is the illustration of it all, and she's wanting to drag this person along in the direction of God. And the harder she tries to drag, the bigger and uglier the beast becomes. And the smaller the holes into heaven become. And the moral of the story is that all she can do is call for that person to come and to show the path, to leave the wake that leads towards relational harmony, that leads towards God. And it's hard because with our compassion, we want to do whatever we can to uphold and to, and to bring people toward relational health, toward a relationship with God, but we can't make them. And harmony says like-mindedness. Call them to come. Show them. Give them something to look at that shows them what real life, what life with love, what life with the light of God inside us truly looks like. It's the best opportunity to get them to come. It's what Jesus did, isn't it? He didn't force anybody. He still doesn't. But he gives us his example, and he plants that light into his children, and we have the ability to call them to come with our words and, more importantly, with our lives. And we move towards harmony in that way because directionally we are headed toward him, and we continue to grow and to go with his direction, always with the idea of what matters most, is glorifying him. Be in harmony with one another. Sometimes that's going to mean leveling tough truths with one another, but pointing each other in a direction that is God-honoring and reflective of God's character. And the one and others that benefit from that are all of us. Let's pray. Father God, you have set an example for us. You give us a path to run on. You, you show us through your word, Lord, and you show us through your children who are committed to following your word that life will not necessarily be smooth in terms of circumstances, but there is a path, there is a direction that we can go that honors you and, Lord, that allows us to be in harmony with one another. God, we want to row together on Harmony's River. So strip out the conceit, strip out the pride, and show us how. In Jesus' name, amen. out with amazing love. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken.
Thank you all for coming. Happy July 4th weekend. Uh, fantastic message and love you all. Have a great week. See you next weekend. Blue. Some bright morning when this life is over, I fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. I fly away. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.